Father in heaven, we come to this point in our service and we ask once again, Lord, that you would speak. God, in in spite of a foolish and, and frail servant, that you would speak your words, that spirit, your words would flow forward, that mine would be stopped. Father, we ask that by the power of your word, that you would move to convict us, to encourage us, to inspire and motivate us, to challenge us, to comfort us. And what's incredible, Lord, is that all of this is possible by the reading and teaching and proclamation of your holy word through the power of the Holy Spirit. God, would you move among us now? Would you teach us and dwell among us as we seek to hear from you? We ask all this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you this week, and I hope that you do, please take them and turn with me to the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes. If you try and turn in your Bible to right about the middle, you'll run into the book of Psalms, more than likely. Right after the book of Psalms is the book of Proverbs. And then right after the book of Proverbs, you'll run into Ecclesiastes. We'll be in Ecclesiastes 3 this morning. Feel free if you don't have a hardback Bible book with pages to use your tablet or your phone or to follow along on the screens. Or if you'd prefer, there should be a Bible in the back of the pew that's there in front of you. Feel free to borrow one of those. And if you don't own one, feel free to take that as a gift from us to you. Uh, we will replenish it and put another one there. You just borrow away or take it and keep it as your own. However you're accessing the word of the Lord, I would ask if you would stand out of reverence to the public reading of God's holy word as we look together now at Ecclesiastes chapter 1. We'll be reading verses 1 through 15. The word of the Lord says, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep. And a time to cast away, a time to tear, and a time to sow, a time to keep silence, and a time to speak, a time to love, and a time to hate, a time for war, and a time for peace. What gain has the worker from his toil? I have seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful. In its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. I perceived that there is nothing better for them than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. Also, that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil. This is God's gift to man. I perceive that whatever God does endures forever. Nothing can be added to it, nor anything taken from it. God has done it 
so that people fear before him. That which is already has been. That which is to be already has been. And God seeks what has been driven away. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. As we look at this passage in Ecclesiastes this morning, I feel like there is no more corny or cheesy thing that a preacher can do than at a graduate recognition service, turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and talk about there's a time for everything under the sun. If you have grown up in church, you have heard a message like this on this day at this time. I think it is a rite of passage that every preacher must preach this message or something like it on this day. But in spite of all of that, what I encourage you to do is to hear and listen with fresh ears this morning. Because this is not a message just for these two rows. This is not a sermon that I spent all week praying and seeking out the Lord for. As what God might have to say to these 11 people to the exclusion of the other hundred or so that may be here this morning. This is a message from the word of the Lord for each and every one of us. And there have been numerous things in this passage that I have had to wrestle with personally in preparing for today. And so I encourage you, don't allow this to become old hat. Don't allow this to be cliche or trite, but hang in there with me. Just to be completely honest, to be completely fair, when I begin to read through this passage, it takes a lot of focus for me to make it through the first eight verses. If I'm just being honest with you, just being transparent as a regular human being, when I begin reading, for everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Wow, that's good. That's wise. I I like that. Okay. Oh, oh, and now examples. All right. Verse 2, a time to be born, a time... Everybody's born. Everybody dies. That's great. A time to plant. You plant things, and and then you pluck things up. What's planted? That's good. All right. To kill and to heal and to weep, and we're laughing and good and cast away stuff. I don't know what the stone thing's about, but all right, we'll just move on. Uh, And then to tear and so it's good. All right, there's time for everything. Way to go. We made it through those eight verses. Good job. I, I'm going to be honest with you. If I'm not focused, that's how I walk through this. Verse one tells me everything I need to know. And then I just kind of there's examples in the rest of those verses and, and they're nice examples. And, and we move on with life. But it's beautiful poetry. I know it may not seem poetic to us, but this is incredible Hebrew poetry that walks us through 14 different examples of various life experiences and circumstances. And there's a reason that it's 14, because everywhere throughout the Bible, the number seven is represented as the number of completion or the number of perfection. And so this is twice seven. This is two sets of seven that the author intentionally puts together because it is to represent the completeness, the wholeness of our life. That's why it starts with there is a time for everyone who is born to be born. There is a time to die. Everyone who is born will die. This is a sobering fact, and there's a lot of sobering facts about Ecclesiastes. If you spend a lot of time in the book, it starts out, vanity, vanity, everything is vanity. Or other translations, meaningless, meaningless, everything in life is meaningless. 
So you start off this book and you go, wow, what a happy read I have stumbled upon today. How, how great, you know, this is, this is wonderful. Maybe you've never made it through the whole book of Ecclesiastes and, and you're an older person because I know no younger people. Nobody sitting right here is going to know what I'm about to say, but we're going to say it anyway because it's important for y'all to know. This is history. This is our culture, all right? Maybe you're familiar with this passage because you remember the song from 1965 by the Birds. Turn, turn, turn. Raise your hand if you're with me, right? Boom. Amen. Praise Jesus. I knew none of y'all was going to raise your hand. Look, it's today, if you listen to it, it's such a mellow song. It's like, for everything, turn, turn. And then you're like, I'm going to turn to the next song. Let's just keep going. But in 65, this was hopping music. This was happening. And it was literally these eight verses put to a song. And it topped the charts. Like, this is a a popular and powerful passage. All they did was add turn, turn, turn to these eight verses, and they had a number one hit song for weeks on the Billboard charts. Or maybe, maybe you're a little bit younger, and like me, you remember a wonderful movie from 1984 starring Kevin Bacon in a town that was not fond of dancing, and Kevin Bacon is going to change things and shake them up. It's a little movie called Footloose. Anybody with me? Now, we're not talking about the atrocious 2011 remake of that movie that we're going to pretend like it doesn't exist. But can you guys remember the iconic scene where Kevin Bacon is talking to the preacher and all the church council and all the town community and the chamber of commerce? And there's a there's a time to be born, a time, a time to dance. It says it in the Bible. There's a time to dance. And our time is now. Y'all with me? This footloose, man. This is good stuff. Kenny Loggins, you got to cut loose. All right, this is a good passage, okay? There's validity in this passage, culturally, biblically, historically. You're with me. There's a reason that this passage is here. Life, in all of its beauty, and all of its wonder, is very seasonal in nature. Life is very seasonal for us. For everything, there is not only a time, but a season And many of us have recognized, many of us have the benefit of looking back and recognizing various seasons of life. And one of the beauties of relating together one another to other church members, to other Christians, is that my season of life right now is probably not the same that your season is. So it's helpful to understand, even in our interpersonal relationships, that for everything in life, there is a season. There are multiple seasons within each season of life. Our lives in one overarching trajectory have a spring where there's new beginnings. There's new life where babies, we're young, we're growing, we're developing. We have a summer where we put in the work and the toil and the heat and the labor of summer that ends up yielding a harvest in autumn. And then we move from autumn to the time of endings, to winter. Where all things die eventually. There's a time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. It's incredible that our our lives take this arch of these seasons from birth to death. But even within those big overarching seasons, sometimes in the span of maybe a month, we can go through spring, summer, fall, and winter. We can have a wonderful time of a new beginning and then have the hard work of summer for the month and then reap the harvest and boom, that's over. And that season has come to an end and we move on to another season. 
For example, even with our high school graduates, you guys have already been through in your school career up to this point. You have experienced a spring, a summer, a fall. And now here you are at the winter and the excitement is you see a new spring right around the corner. For each and every one of us, you are never too old or never too young to experience a new spring or a new summer or a new fall. Sometimes we walk through seasons of life and we think there'll never be another spring again. There'll never be another time for me to have new beginnings. But that's just not true. One of my favorite examples of this is is very recent. It's it's been, it's been happening and, and started just about a year or so ago, and everybody that's tuning in online is probably very well aware of it, but it's our very own Miss Brenda Gant. Miss Brenda Gant went through a very difficult winter season in her life with her husband. After that season, Miss Brenda said it about in her mind, I'm going to find a new spring. I'm going to find new meaning. This will not be the end of me. I loved my husband. That was a wonderful season of life, but I will press on and I will continue forward. She's not the only one who's had to do that. Many of us have lost loved ones, loved ones that we have known for decades, that we have invested our entire lives with. And winter comes and we feel like it comes all too quickly, all too suddenly. And then we have to find a new spring. But golly, Pete, did we ever think that Brenda would have millions of people watching her make biscuits? And there'd be people that thought she only had one hand because she was holding the phone with the other hand and making the biscuits with one hand and all these, all these comments. It's so amazing, Brenda. You're so strong and so powerful doing all that with just one arm. I'm just so amazed and impressed. And she was like, y'all, somebody, you got to hold the phone with one hand. What, what'd y'all expect me to do? She made a little video for, for the ladies in our church. The ladies that said, Brenda, we want to make biscuits like you make biscuits. So she just, Puts a video out there on Facebook to share with our church family. And then, boom, there's probably a thousand people watching our church service right now. Because she takes every opportunity in every video to remind people about the grace of God, about the goodness of Jesus Christ. And I have yet to figure out why she invites people to watch our service and listen to this, these sermons. Like, I'm amazed that people will actually tune in. I mean, they must love Brenda a whole lot. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's right. That's right. Folks, our lives are seasonal. And and what I want you guys, the 11 of you, to realize is that these seasons will continue and will cycle. And the more we're aware of this, the more that we understand how the Bible has already set us up to know this, to see this, it helps us to navigate the difficulties of Life. One of my favorite things that my mom and my dad, especially my mom, would always say to me is, Nathan, this is just a season. When I hit seminary and college got a lot harder. I did pretty good in high school and, and then I did okay in, in college. But when seminary rolled around, they expected you to be like really smart. And they wanted you to like write papers and have like really good papers. And, and it got a lot harder. And then I had a job and and I I had a wife and I was trying to balance everything and I thought I was going to go crazy. I thought there's no way on earth I could ever be busier than this right now. And my mom pulled me aside and said, Nathan, I love you, but you need to remember God's taught us to be prepared for this. It's just a season. And then we started having children and I went, man, what did I do with all my spare time? Right. And I moved into another season. 
There's a season of life where all you're doing is, is toting your kids one place to the next. You are their shuttle until they turn 16 and you praise God because they can drive themselves. But then you still have to attend. You still have to be there for all of their stuff. And for a lot of parents and grandparents and uncles and aunts and cousins, this is a serious and hard winter for you because you've watched them grow up. You've carried them everywhere that they've gone. And now here comes winter. I don't have to take them to any more swim meets or ball games. I don't have to go cook in the concession stand. I don't have to be part of the band boosters anymore. And some of those things are like, woo, praise God. But other of those things... In a few months, you're going to go, man, I kind of miss flipping those burgers. I kind of miss being there and being a part of the band. But I know it was expensive, but golly, what do we do now? What? Who am I now? Because I've always been fill in the blanks. Mom, dad, grandmother. I was that person sitting behind the fence in my own chair with the hydraulic rocking mechanisms. We've gotten soft people. We have rocking chairs at the ballpark. We're supposed to be sitting on hard bleachers with nothing on our back so that when we leave, we go, it's a great game. I can't stand up straight just yet, but I'll get there. We all feel about 80 years old, but no, no, no. You are the grandma. You are the grandpa. You are the mom or the dad. You bought the nice chair. It's got like a fan built into it. You plug it into some USB port somewhere. It's keeping your drink cool and you're rocking in the back of the, behind the fence, behind the backstop. That wasn't no ball. That wasn't what are you talking about? Ah, I tell you. There's nobody to shout at anymore. The games are all over. And when you go there now, nobody looks at you and says, Hey, it's... um, Wait, nobody's playing. How how come you're here? And there's there's almost a pity in their voice, right? Oh, so you're still coming back. Well, we're glad you're supporting the team. We're glad you're here. But there's that moment, right, where they're like, Life's moving on. For everything in life, there is a season. There's a time and a matter for everything under heaven. And look, there's beauty in everything in its time. I have seen the busyness, verse 10, that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Folks, there is something beautiful about the hustle and the bustle of high school. There is something beautiful about being a parent of an infant. I've already seen two parents walk out of this service because their children are screaming and they fear that they're interfering with y'all's ability to focus or something. By the way, that's never you're never going to bother me hanging out in here with a crying baby. Okay, crying babies. I love them. Leave them in here. We're good. But it's a season, right? And then when you have that, you have that newborn baby, well, you just put them in the pumpkin seat. You just take them anywhere you want to go. And then all of a sudden, after, you know, six, seven, eight months, hey, look, they're walking, they're crawling, they're moving. What is going on? We can't take them wherever we want to go. We can't take them anywhere. They're going to pull the whole pulpit over. What's going on? Everything in life walks through these seasons, but all of it is beautiful in its appropriate time. And when we know that, because the Bible has told us that, that from the very beginning, from the actual beginnings of creation, in Genesis chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, on the fourth day, as God is creating everything, He designs seasons and times and signs. In verse 14, God said, Let there be light from the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night, and let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. 
Let them be lights in the expanse of the heavens to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And it was good. It is good that there are seasons in our life. God designed us that way. One of the things that we have lost in our society today is the ability to enjoy the season we are in and make the most out of the season we are in because God has made that season beautiful. If you break your leg and you're all of a sudden laid up for six or seven weeks and you're having to move around in a wheelchair and you got a boot on and all these things going on and you're miserable. I just can't believe God would put me through this. It happened for a reason and it's only a season in your life. So instead of being miserable, let us take time to find the beauty in the season in which we find ourselves and stop looking for next spring because sometimes we have to work in summer. Sometimes we have to endure the heat of summer before we get to autumn and that there's harvest. And sometimes it is good for us to come to an end and have a close and have a winter. It is good that winter is here, right? You guys do not have to go back to those same classes and those same hallways and those same lockers next year. That's over. But then you you got a new spring coming. What's coming on the horizon? What has God planned next? And there will be beauty in that. And it will matter how you carry yourself in that season as much, if not more, than how you carried yourself through elementary school and middle school and high school and all these things. It matters how you parent. It matters how you grandparent. Let's make the most of every season in which we find ourselves because there's an appointment for each one of these seasons. God put them there on purpose, designed it into creation as early as day four. But then there's there's one more aspect to this passage I, I don't want us to miss. Look with me again at those same verses, beginning in verse 10 and 11. We we read verse 10. We moved into verse 11. He's made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity into man's heart. The Hebrew use of the word man there is, is Adam. It's humanity. He has put eternity into humanity's heart. Each and every one of us is born with an innate understanding That these seasons are for a time, but there is a time when those seasons come to a close and we are eternal beings. We have an eternal spirit, a soul that will not perish. And one of my favorite quotations from C.S. Lewis is when he talks about longing and how longing helps prove the existence of God. C.S. Lewis in Mere Christianity writes, If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Let me read it one more time. If I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. World. The argument that Lewis is making here is the fact that I get hungry means that there must be food out there to satisfy my hunger. 
The fact that I get thirsty means that there must be something out there to satisfy my thirst. The fact that I have a longing for something other than this world means that God has put eternity in my heart. And I have a longing which nothing in this world can satisfy. So there must be another world. That must be what I was truly made for. Folks, sometimes we're so caught up in the seasons of this life, satisfying every desire that we have, that we push down the eternity that God has put in our heart. We push aside the understanding that we were not made for this world. We were made for another world, a heavenly realm where our citizenship is supposed to rest. And that's where our full identity should be founded. But so many times we allow ourselves to be defined by the season that we're in and try to satisfy ourselves in this spring. We, you, you know what happens in spring? Tornadoes happen in spring. And when you try to satisfy yourself with the new beginning of spring, I always need another spring. Guess what? Spring's not all it's cracked up to be every, every week, every day. How many people from Power South and the cooperative can say amen to that one, right? Amen? Yeah, there's not a lot of them here this morning, I guess. It's all right. There are storms that come, even in the most bright and fun seasons. In autumn, when we're harvesting, autumn is also hurricane season, right? As we round out summer and move into autumn. Let's harvest everything. It's great. It's awesome. The cotton's finally ready. The corn's good to go. And here come the hurricanes. You will never, I will never be fully satisfied in the seasons of this life. It is good to know them. It is good to recognize the beauty in each one, but to understand that God has put eternity in our hearts and we were not made to be fully satisfied by this world. God has another world that he has called us to. And I know that all of those verses that start chapter three, those first eight verses talk a lot about a time for this and a time for that. Look with me once more, this time in the book of Hebrews, chapter 9. A time to be born and a time to die. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Folks, not only does life have a seasonal nature, not only is there a time to be born, a time to die, a time to tear, a time to sow, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing. There is a time where we will die and there is a time we will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And there is a time where even before some of us die, God could come back, part the clouds, and Jesus himself steps back on earth. And when he does, it will be time not to deal with sin, but to deal with Satan. It will be time for those who have eagerly waited for him 
to be accepted and welcomed home. It will also be time for those who have rejected him to be cast away into an eternal burning fire that can never be quenched. Folks, our longing for something more than this world provides is verification on top of all of the proof in Scripture that we were not made for this world, that that day will come. And if you're sitting here this morning and you're not prepared for that time, you recognize the seasonal nature of life, but you have missed that there is a time appointed for you and I to die. And it could be for me this afternoon. It could be for you this afternoon. It could be for all of us in 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years. It could be that Jesus comes back before we die. But then comes the judgment. And that time is already appointed and set. And I wonder this morning, are you ready for it? Graduates, I know you're ready for the new spring. I know you're ready to start a new adventure. Whatever that looks like, whatever college, whatever apprenticeship, whatever work you begin, whatever happens. I know you're ready to be done with high school and ready for that new season of life to begin But are you ready that if that new season of life doesn't come the way you expect it and Christ were to return and that's the new season that you walk into, a season called eternity, are you ready for that as well? Parents, grandparents, my church family, my church friends, are you ready for that time that is appointed? There's only one way to be saved. There is one way, one truth, one life, and it is Jesus the Christ. To make Him both Savior, trust that He has died for your and my sins, and make Him Lord. Make Him your boss. Put Him in charge of your life. Not just say, hey, I want to say a prayer, and I want to get out of hell free card. I want to escape that eternal fire, but say, I am willing To make Jesus Christ the one boss in charge of my life if that's what it takes to escape that eternal fire. Folks, He made us to thrive in Him. It's not a life of misery. It is a life that is abundant and full, but you've got to trust Him to experience it. And this morning I wonder, have you trusted Him? Have you fully trusted in Jesus? Have you asked Him to be your Savior and your Lord? There's only one way to get to the Father, and it is through the Son, Jesus the Christ. This morning can be the day, the appointed time, where your eternal destination changes if you're willing to submit to Jesus. Or maybe this morning you've been trusting Jesus for years, and you recognize and are reminded in this sermon Boy, it's been a rough season. And I need some refreshment from the Lord. This winter, this summer has been hard. And I need a new spring, Lord. I need a new fall. I need a new harvest. He's there. He's listening. And He's made every season beautiful in its time. Let's bow together and let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you that you have made our lives seasonal and that you have made each season beautiful in its time. God, would you help us 
to seek after you, to make you our Savior and our Lord, to find you in every season of life that we encounter, to seek you in every season of life. Lord, we are so grateful for your word and the incredible wisdom found in it. Lord, help us in everything that we say and do to fix our eyes upon you. And remember that ultimately, even through every season, this is not our final destination. This is not our home. We were made for another world. God, we love you. We ask that you would move in power during this time and that we might respond in obedience. We ask all this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Church,